everybody. Thanks for listening to the AmCast. My name is Chris, and this is... Erica. And we're talking about ministry things specifically to young adults. If you need more information, go to parkhillschurch.com or... You can find us on the App Store, any of them, at Park Hills Church. Are we going to like do a, hey, welcome to the Yamcast? My name is uh, Erica Haas, and I am here with nobody. Awesome. Isn't that great? Just go with it. Wow. I love that. Um, So I'm going to be here to talk all about the supernatural. You're here to talk about the supernatural. Oh, there he is. I do exist. There he is. Knew that would get him. Erica, today we are going to wander into a territory that is deeply uncomfortable for me, and I think should be deeply uncomfortable (laughs) for for everyone. But I think it needs to be talked about because we know so little about it, right? Well, yeah, we don't we don't go into things we can't see. Why very is well. that? Um, because we are on this side of the Enlightenment, and so we are very rational, and reason is really what dominates our minds. So if we can't see it, then it must not be true. Which I'm going to sound like a crazy truther here, but even the fact that we're on this side of the Enlightenment. Part of me wonders if that is is intentional. Oh, probably like on the part of these. So one of the great quotes of any movie of all time, right, is in The Usual Suspects, the guy who is, I don't, this will probably spoil it for people if they go to watch it, but the guy who actually is Kaiser Soze says this at one point. And, and if you don't know what that is, don't worry about it. But here's what he says. The greatest trick the devil ever played was convincing the world he didn't exist. And because we're on this side of the Enlightenment, because we're modern, because we're Americans, we live in this weird world where our country, the percentage of the amount of people in our country that believe angels are real is extremely high compared to every other Western country in the world. Like we here is higher, that we believe higher here than Yeah, it's something like 85% of Americans or something believe that angels are, are real. The problem is what we think angels are are the people who died. Mm-hmm. Or we have guardian angels. We have little fat babies that show up at Valentine's Day. Halos, wings, totally. robes, totally. singing. Even to the extent that last week for, for Halloween, a lot of people probably walked around in some type of angel garment. Or on the flip side, they walked around in a red garment and you knew that that was a demon. Horns. Amen. Right? Yes. You know what I'm saying? So we, ha- we know very little about the supernatural. And that, is, that bothers me deeply. And I don't think we can a- attack judges well without stepping back and thinking, how did the Old Testament people think about the supernatural? Mm-hmm. And they thought it, about it vastly different than, than we do. So here's where we're going to go. Basic storyline, okay? So, so section one of our, of our yam cast, as we call it, is sort of the basic storyline of Scripture. And let me lay it out this way. God made all kinds of stuff day one, Right? I mean, from the get-go, the beginning of the creation account, God speaks and stuff just starts existing, right? So we have light, we have land, we have water, we have, I mean, all this stuff is everywhere. And then he starts filling it with creatures and stuff like that. At some point, either before those six days of creation or after those six days, or during those six days of creation, God creates everything visible and everything invisible. So where, where's the invisible? We can't see it. Well, no, I mean... (laughs) (laughs) 
No, oh, that's those I, times I, when you're like, put the foot in your mouth. I know what you're I'm, asking. And what I'm saying is, because we can't you... see it, it doesn't matter okay. for the account. Okay. Is what I'm, I, I, I was answering you your question. I wasn't just being, <laughs> I a, I wasn't just being a jerk. It's invisible. You can't yeah. see it, dude. Do Erica. <laughs> so in Colossians 1, for example, and other number of other places, it talks about Christ being the one who created. Mm-hmm. Everything exists, whether visible or invisible, right? Paul says it over and over again. Yeah. And you start going, what is he talking about? We know that angels exist. If you follow Jesus, you see all kinds of stuff in the scriptures that prove that angels are real, right? You have angels showing up to Daniel. You have demon spirits showing up to talk to Jesus. Gabriel. Michael? Did I make that up? Right? No, Gabriel, Michael. Those are the two names we know for sure, right? And there's all of these individuals throughout scripture. So we know they're existing, but we haven't really stepped back and thought, what does that mean when did they get created? None of that matters for the storyline in Genesis 1 because God's telling us what he created for us. Okay. We have a planet. We can see it, feel it, touch it. That's, that's what we're at. But in the midst of this creation, God created this massive group of individuals that he uses as messengers. That's really what the word angel means. Mm. So the idea is that in the, in the scriptures, you have a, a visual, a visible world and an invisible, non-visual world. There's There's... Two things, and then the idea in the garden is those two things overlapped, right? Okay. You follow me? Yeah, yeah. So Adam and Eve could see stuff that they couldn't see otherwise, which I'd even suggest that's possibly why all the angelic beings that show up in the book of Ezekiel and elsewhere have animal bodies and animal faces and all that kind of stuff. I think it's possible that it was all just kind of meshed together and then the, the disconnect happened at the fall. Okay. And we've talked already about the fall a little bit, right? There's a serpent inside the garden. He whispers something to Eve. Eve then follows his lead as opposed to doing what God wanted her to do. So as we talked about with the law, uh, this individual knows God's words well enough to be able to trip Eden, or sorry, trip Eve up and kick her out of Eden, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that the basic storyline of that whole thing is God created something beautiful that's invisible, God created something beautiful that's visible. It was all good. God loved it. He saw that it was good. And he put us in it to have com- dominion, to have reign, to have yeah. some type of rule over top of everything, which means that we have we have more dominion than angels, which if you don't believe me on there, go to Hebrews 1. Now, the problem is we gave up our dominion by eating the fruit and being kicked out of the garden. We didn't do that on our own. No. I'm not, and I'm not, no, saying I'm, not, that, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying we didn't do that on our own because this one is, of his invisible so beings. I've been reading a ton this <clears throat> summer. I think I'm up to something like 1,200 hours of research. My wife thinks I'm going crazy. Uh, I might very well be going crazy. But in the sense that I'm more in love with the scriptures today than I ever was before. And you know me that I'm, I'm a crazy scripture in the first place. Mm-hmm. So here's what's happening in my head and my heart. One of the books that I read spent a lot of time talking about that serpent. And one of the things that he, that this, this author was describing with the serpent is that a lot of times we look at the serpent as evil. He is. That the serpent or like the being? The, the idea of the serpent okay. is evil. And you see that because in the book of Revelation, the serpent is the, the, the devil, the one who's been pulling us astray, the Satan, yeah. all these types of things. However... There are a number of scholars, and I know that that's kind of like a dubious statement to say, right? Number of scholars. But there are a lot of scholars who you could make the case that he wasn't necessarily evil in the beginning. He was just trying to kill off human beings. 
And you're like, well, that seems evil because I'm a human being. <laughs> I, underst- I understand that. But you think about it this way. If God says, don't eat from this tree or else you will surely die. And he thinks in his head, no, those humans are kind of weak. They probably deserve to die. And the world is better off not having them in it. Well, and he potentially doesn't want, as you said, humans almost were higher. They don't deserve the rule. And so he maybe was like, why do they get the same seat at the table or a higher seat at the table than Absolutely. myself? So let's, what can we do? Agreed. Yeah. I think that's the concept. It. So he wants, he wants them out. So he goes to kill them off. And what does God, the merciful do? Gives mercy mm-hmm. and gives grace. And so instead of killing them off the moment that they deserved it, what God does instead is gives them grace, allows them to now leave the garden, even though they should be dead, God allows them to leave the, leave the garden and they go live elsewhere. And God still somehow maintains some kind of relationship with them because otherwise he wouldn't have seen Cain and Abel in chapter four and so mm-hmm. on and so forth, right? He comes and grabs Enoch in chapter five. He grabs Elijah, you know, in first Kings. Like all of these individuals, you go, holy cow, God loves human beings a lot. So the basic storyline of scripture seems to be the pride and the arrogance of that serpent leads to a massive rebellion in this invisible world. You, you with me? Yeah, so they all are like, he's right, I wanna do that too, or something to that effect where he, they, I mean, it's kind of like that the first person makes you brave to do the thing you've kind of in your mind been thinking you wanted to do. Possibly. And, and on top of that, the individuals that follow his lead, their goal is to make sure that human beings die. That's the basic storyline. You with me? Mm-hmm. And we're back from uh, a moment with our sponsor. <laughs> Just kidding, we don't have any. <laughs> Kanye, Jesus is king. That's that's our sponsor. Chick-fil-A. Oh. And now it's time for. The Deeper Dive. You do that so well. Yeah, it's my best part of the mm-hmm. whole podcast. Except right. for getting into the Deeper Dive is a little scary. Let me start it again and then we'll... <laughs> this is going to get weird. All right. The Deeper Dive. We're going to start the Deeper Dive by looking at <laughs> Psalm 82. God, in Psalm 82... Verse 1, God has taken his place in the divine council. In the midst of the gods, he holds judgment. How long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? We skip down a little further in verse 6. God says this, I said, you are gods, sons of the Most High, all of you. Nevertheless, like men, you shall die and fall like any prince. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for you shall inherit all the nations. For us to go into the deeper dive, we need to start with a crazy concept. God has all of these created beings. They're invisible to us. They are angelic, right? Which we see in Isaiah and we see in Revelation. So like we know that those things are out there. Like we Isaiah, Ezekiel, yeah. Exodus, right? So who's, we know that those are there. Who's the angel of death? 
I don't no, know. I'm, no, I'm just saying. Like, I was like, is that a question? No, but I'm just saying, like, if you look at the Bible, it is name? all over the place. There are these angels yes. showing up doing these massive things, right? Mm-hmm. So there's the there's the angel of the army of the Lord. There's the there's Michael. There's Gabriel. There's this being that's trying to get to Daniel in, in the book of Daniel who all of a sudden shows up and freaks Daniel out. There's, you know, Jesus mm-hmm. is taken up to the top of the temple by Satan, and he says, jump, the angels will carry you. So there, there's angelic beings all throughout the scriptures. So God is on his throne, and these angelic beings all arrive because God is holding judgment. That's the idea of verse 1 there. The, the idea of the divine counsel is that God has welcomed individuals in to take part in his way, his will, whatever is going on. That same concept is in Job 1, right, when all of the, angels, all the sons of God are, are surrounding the throne mm-hmm. and who steps forward and says, you know, well, Job's a jerk. Like, one of the angels, yeah, right? Yeah. You look at First Kings 22, and you've got this weird thing with Micaiah. It says, I saw the Lord on his throne and all of the, the people surrounding him, and one of them stepped forward and said, I'm going to put a lying spirit in the prophets, and they're going to kill the king tomorrow. And God says, go, do it. And we read all these passages, and we go, what in the world is going on? This doesn't, make, this doesn't feel comfortable. I don't like this at all. The fact is that the Bible is full of tons of moments where God is welcoming all of his created beings, and this is where it gets a little nuts, the angelic invisible ones, and a human or two who are prophets. How else does Micaiah know this mm. unless he's there? Mm-hmm. What does Isaiah see in Isaiah 6? It's God's throne, throne, and all of a sudden Isaiah's brought into it. Mm-hmm. What's Moses doing on top of the mountain? He's talking to God face to face. So there's this moment where God draws human beings in and allows them to become a part of this divine council, and he's sort of laying out the plans for the world, that kind of thing. And what it says in verse 6 and 7 of chapter 82 of Psalms, it says this, You are gods, lowercase g, because the word there is Elohim, sons of the Most High or sons of God, all of you. Nevertheless, like men, you're going you're gonna to die and fall like any prince. And a lot of commentators out there, they try to make this sound like it's the elders of Israel or something else. But if you read the rest of the passage, it's not talking about the elders of Israel. It is talking about angelic beings who have rebelled against God And now it says you are going to die like any other prince. So we all know, because in our heads as Christians, we know that there's a demonic, we know there's demonic out there. We know that that exists. Mm -hmm. And we kind of just don't know what that's talking about. But what he's saying here is there's this massive group of angels in front of him. Some of them are good. Some of them are not good. But they haven't been cursed to their final judgment yet. So God is welcoming these beings in, having this conversation. And he's like, guys, you have failed. You have failed big time, and you're going to die. And on top of that, the, the psalmist ends that chapter with saying, Arise, O God, judge the earth, for you shall inherit all the nations. Which should lead us to going, what the heck is being talked about there? Mm-hmm. So we skip back to Deuteronomy 32, specifically verse 8. And it says this, When the Most High gave to the nations their inheritance, when he divided mankind, he fixed the borders of the people according to the numbers of the sons of God. In Genesis 10, we have 70 nations laid out, 70 offspring of Noah, mm-hmm. right? So Noah has three sons, those sons have sons, and so on and so forth. If you count all the names in Genesis chapter 10, you're going to end up with 70 nations. Those 70 nations correlate to what's being said here in verse 8 of Deuteronomy 32. So think about it this way. Genesis 10 what is being talked about? The scattering of the people. When does that happen? 
Genesis 11, because there's a spiritual rebellion happening. They're Tower building a mountain, right? The Tower of Babel. Mm -hmm. And what are they building a mountain for? We talked about it a little bit ago, a couple weeks ago. The Garden of Eden is a mountain. It's this mountain structure with a garden on top of it. So they want they're, to get back to that. Yeah, they're trying to bring Eden back. And really, if you think about it from a spiritual sense, these angelic beings are saying, we want to make it like it used to be, so we're going to make it ourselves. And God goes, that's not how this is going to work. So he separates them into 70 nations, separates all their languages, scatters them around the world. And these 70 nations go do their thing. And now they have angelic rulers who are running their show. So it's like having like a mayor. Yeah. Having like a sheriff watch over this group in my very unscholarly. That was an awesome, <laughs> subtle way to describe what's happening. Because the book of Daniel describes those individuals as watchers. Mm. So you say, watch over the group, and you didn't even know what you were stepping mm -hmm. into right there. But they're called watchers. Mm -hmm. And it, throughout the, the whole scriptures, we have a number of moments where these individuals become corrupt. In fact, I would suggest that maybe all 70 became corrupt, and they, and the, they have offspring, and it just gets weird and creepy and, and super, super weird. But here's the idea. God, God is saying, I'm in charge, I'm on my throne, but the humans don't want me to be in charge. So I'm going to let them have what they want, Romans 1. Yeah, I was I'm gonna just going to say that. I'm going to yeah. hand them over to these, these, these beings. I'm putting in quotations, gods, right? I'm going to give them angelic beings that are going to watch over them. And these angelic beings are going to run the show. The mm. problem is those angelic beings started going crazy. And they did stupid, ridiculous, disgusting, crazy, crazy things. One of the things that's described uh, in, a, in a book that is, it's called First Enoch, and it actually was written between the silent period of, of Malachi mm -hmm. and the beginning of Matthew. So there's 400 years of silence there. There's a group of individuals that were studying these passages and they were so overwhelmed with what they saw and they looked at the world around them and they said, here's what's happening. The world is, is run by these, these angelic beings and the angelic beings have used their supernatural wisdom to train human beings how to do disturbing things. How do you know that? They don't. Oh, so they this, just, so this, this is, is speculation. Their, okay. But the their, idea is the thoughts. same as what we talked about in the garden just a second ago. Their concept, as they read Genesis 1 through 3, they read Genesis 6 when we talked about, you know, we talked about the Nephilim or some of these other things. They, they read these passages over and over again, and they look at the world around them, and they go, the world is violent, the world, the world is wrong, the world is disgusting, it's not what God would want. Mm -hmm. So clearly something else is doing this. What's going on? And it's not that humans aren't at fault, because I think we do really, really well at creating evil on our own. But the idea is humans maybe wouldn't have figured out how to use iron or humans wouldn't have figured out how to use these things, instruments, stuff like that. And so what happens is these angelic beings go, ah, oh, we know how to do this. And so they teach humans to do it, and the humans begin to worship them as gods, and they begin to believe their own hype. And so they actually, they become the inheritance of the nations, and they're running the show, and these nations are following gods, in quotes, mm -hmm. but they're not really gods, they're angelic beings that God has created. So then all of these quote-unquote gods that we've learned in school, all these ancient ancient civilizations that they've worshipped could potentially have been real angelic hosts. It's very possible they could have been real. Hmm. And if you're going, that doesn't seem legit to me because I've always learned that there's only one God. Mm -hmm. There is no doubt yes. that there is one Yahweh. But even God in... Psalm, Psalm said gods. So I mean, he, and the, yes, I know it's lowercase. It's not the same, but and, it, And the yeah. problem there is, is a translation of the word Elohim, 
Yes. If you don't believe me on this, you can listen to Tim Mackey and John uh, Collins start to walk through this on the, on the, on the Bible uh, Project podcast. They spent a ton of time talking this through. You can go to their, their site and watch their Spiritual Beings videos. This will start to make a little more sense. You can go to the Naked Bible podcast. Michael Heiser is doing tremendous work of sort of laying this out. He's a good evangelical scholar who's doing amazing things. It's way over people's heads. It was way over mine. It's way over people's heads. However, what they're doing is they're spelling out the supernatural aspect of scripture that a lot of human beings, especially in America, have just sort of wiped out. And I've had a number of folks ask me over the last few weeks and go, why, why haven't we heard any of this? Why do we know none of this stuff? This seems ridiculous. Why is it coming out now? The reason why it's coming out now is because Augustine in the fourth century decided this is ridiculous. There's no way this is an angelic thing. And he created the idea that this, the, the sons of God in Genesis 6 and the sons of men, the sons of God he called the Seth's, Sethite line. So all of the sons of Seth that were coming from Adam and then Cain's line is the son of men. And those two individuals got together and they created these giant beings. The problem is that that's not legit because if two humans get together, they don't create a giant human being. Where do giants come from? And I'm not talking about like a six foot 10 dude or an NBA player. We're talking here about nine foot people, 10 foot people, 12, 20, 15, you know, 50 foot people, like crazy tall people. Very Harry Potter of you. Right, Hagrid, right? <laughs> and, and, we read it, and we read these things and we go, that just seems completely ridiculous and, and illegitimate. There's no way that's true. It is true if you've got angelic beings rebelling against God who are choosing to create a hybrid human being. Why would they create a hybrid human being? Because God in Genesis 3.15 promised that the seed of the woman would bring about the Messiah. It's possible that these individuals know that verse so well that what they're trying to do is create a being that's a hybrid version of them to become the, the quote-unquote son of God, the Messiah. Mm. And they're trying to create a, a, a version of God that's not legit. Because why? Because they want humans to die. And so if they can create a fake version that everyone worships, which... Look at what Goliath's doing right before he gets beat up by, by David. Everyone's worshiping him. They, they love this guy. He's a mighty warrior. He's huge. And he's mm -hmm. out there like, your God is terrible. That's my Goliath voice. That's uh, a good one. So the idea here is this. It, back to the basic storyline and then moving into the deeper dive concept because this whole thing has been deeper dive. These rebellious angels are trying to kill human beings off. That's their main goal. Mm -hmm. And they've used whatever they have at their disposal to do so. They have started wars. They've started uh, ridiculous human issues. Like we, re we read about and hear about evil in our world and we go, this is so dark and twisted. Where is this coming from? It's coming from this rebellion that started back in Genesis mm -hmm. chapter 3. The problem is we live in a Christian world that says the devil's around every corner and we all scoff at that because we're like, the devil's clearly not around every corner, which is true. He's not around every corner, but he's around enough corners or he's done enough of influencing individuals that he's no longer involved in the storyline. Yeah, he doesn't line, need to be there anymore. And those individuals are running the show themselves because they think that they're gods. So you think Hitler, you think Napoleon, you think you get on the list of all the individuals throughout all of history. You're like, what is wrong with that individual? They may not have been demon possessed, but they definitely were probably demonically influenced. Mm -hmm. you, you follow me here? Yeah, yeah. And I would even say that anything in the in the in the world that we live in, anything that's that's power hungry and chasing after things that are ungodly comes from this rebellion. Hmm. So even our own political system, right? You create a bunch of money and then you get a bunch of people to vote for you and you can do whatever you want to do. We don't like to think about this, but the devil is around a lot more corners than we realize. 
And he doesn't even have to work that hard anymore because we like power. We, we enjoy the idea of I'm in charge. And we started to deny the, the supernatural. So there's no way he's really behind it. So it's just a corrupt individual. There's no, really, there's no big deal as to why this is happening. And again, I know I sound like a crazy truther or I sound like a weirdo. But if you just stop and think about it for a second, it kind of starts to make sense. Well, because I think we give ourselves sometimes a lot of credit for things. But I don't really think that we're also that smart. So like some of the like inventions and things from long ago, it's like, oh, yeah, we looked at the stars and figured some of these things out. Or did we? Because are we that clever? You know, or I don't or putting together the the pyramids. We're like, oh, that was slave labor, which maybe, who knows. Or it was these giant people that were just carrying these massive bricks that are what, how, how tall are they? Like eight, 10 feet on their own? And they just carry them on their back. I mean, like what does actually make more sense? We kind of want to chalk, we almost want to chalk it up to like aliens versus saying that it could be a supernatural being. This is where it gets a little crazy. Every religion that's not Christian, so the stuff that's from the beginning of the earth, they all build pyramids. Yeah. They all build things that, that connect to the sun. There's some type of solar connection. So everyone, everyone goes, why is Stonehenge this way? Where are the pyramids coming from? Why are there pyramids in the Andes Mountains? Everywhere. Why are there pyramids in, in Egypt and China and Russia? Mexico. Right. Uh, even there's, right, think about all of the, the weird hills that are built throughout uh, America. And all of these hills are like serpent-shaped, or they have other types of shapes. And we all go, where is this all coming from? Why is there this consistent story throughout all of prehistoric human, human society? Which I don't think it's prehistoric. I think it's much less than prehistoric. And you start going, oh my goodness. What if they were receiving orders? They had the same influencer. Or, yeah. in, or influencers. Yeah, influencers. Right? Yeah. All these individuals that are in charge of them are going, this is how you worship God. This is the correct way to worship God. Try your hardest. Be good at what you do. Chase after him, do your thing, and everything's going to be fine. Yeah, it's about you and works, basically. I mean, that's what it is in every religion is you got to get yourself to this place. So why is Christianity different? Because it's the right one. <laughs> Let's, it's the right one, but why? Let's really uh, go deep here for a deeper dive. For, for the, the deeper, deeper dive? Let's, let's, let me just run you through the scriptures really quickly. Human beings failed. God promised he was going to send one to fix the problem. Then we waited a long time a very long for that time. individual to step in. But while that wait was happening, God gave us the entire Old Testament. And guess what? The Old Testament is chock full of a major storyline. Here it is. Human beings have rebelled. I've put other things in charge of them. Those things are going to lead them astray. There are 70 of them. Then the book of Genesis ends with what? 70 individuals in Abram's family. So God says, here's 70 nations, you're in charge of yourselves, I'm going to pick 70 people based out of a, a dude that's 100 years old that doesn't exist. So it's like, let's see who wins? Yeah, and you go, who's going to win this, this fight? And you're like, God's an idiot. He chose 70 people versus 70 nations. There's no way that person's going to win. And then what God does is drops those 70 people in the midst of the land that, by the of way, all 70. of these giant people are living. Yeah. Right? They all moved to the promised land because they probably knew God wanted this land to be the land where his people were going to be. So what does God do? Go wipe out the land. And they go, we can't do it. They're giants. They're going to, they're going to eat us alive. This is, this is ridiculous. We're like grasshoppers to Right, them. right, right. And so then what God does is, I'm going to take care of you. And he goes there and he wipes them out with hailstorms and all these like crazy things. And the land gets somewhat cleared. And then the book of Judges happens, which is where we're going to go. Uh, eventually. <laughs> not, not quite yet, but probably next we're week. We're getting there. Then after that, God sends a king who kills a giant to start his kingship. Mm. And you go, 
oh my goodness, a new king, a king who's not like the rest, who's actually going to follow God's lead and is going to wipe out the giants. And then mm-hmm. we find out in 2 Samuel, David's men do just that. They wipe out the last of the giants. Mm-hmm. Then we start moving through the scriptures really quickly, and the prophets are going, this place is crazy. You've totally lost your way. This is ridiculous. But God is going to bring about a remnant that's going to fix the problem. And this remnant isn't going to be the answer to the problem, but this remnant is going to create a space for the answer to the problem. Does that make sense? So are you talking about Jesus? Yes. Okay. So this remnant, check check this out. This gets really, really cool. So this remnant is going to create a space for the king to live. And what's that king going to do? He's going to return the nations to himself. Ready? Okay. Let's fast forward. A whole bunch of faithful people, faithful people, faithful people. Then all of a sudden you've got a family. One part of this family is a really, really old dude and his wife, Zechariah and Elizabeth, and they're promised a son. And they have John the Baptist who takes the role of Elijah. And what does Elijah do? Elijah sets up the Messiah. Mm -hmm. So what does the Messiah do? He's born of a virgin. He's born of, he's outside the line of Adam. He's not tainted like everybody else. So he lives his life and does his thing on this planet. And what does he do? He gets killed for it. Why? Because the powers of the world don't want him to be in charge. Yeah. So they kill him to prove that they're mightier than he is, that they are capable of killing him. And what did killing him do? It paid for our sins. And then what did he do? He rose from the grave. He was like... Because death can't hold him. He's way more powerful than that. So then he spends some time with his disciples and says, hey, come follow me. Check this out. (laughs) Just wait for it. And then they go, well, we can't do this on our own. He goes, I know. I'm sending a helper to you. And then he just disappears into the sky, right? And then what happens? God sends his spirit on his disciples right? Mm -hmm. So these followers of Jesus all of a sudden have a boldness that they never had before. Mm -hmm. They go out in the streets and what do they do? They speak all the languages. Back from the They reverse the stinking curse. And what happens is all of a sudden the nations are brought into God's Mm -hmm. family and they have access to him. So one of these individuals is upset that the nations are being brought in. So he kills off the church and starts doing this. And all of a sudden God says, Saul, why are you doing this to me? And Saul goes, wait, what? You're real? And God blinds him. And Saul now becomes this advocate for who? The nations to come to God. Yeah, the Gentiles. So Saul starts running around to all the the cities. And what does he do in those cities? He says, listen, you think God is far from you, that he hates you. Your gods have told you that. They're not right. Mm. The Son of God died and rose from the grave, freeing you from slavery. Come with me. And so the church starts in all of these cities, and it just gets crazy cool. And then you lead it all the way back to the book of Revelation. What's happening? All of the nations are worshiping in the final city after God has wiped the planet clean. And all of the nations are celebrating around what? A tree. A tree that's surrounded by a river in a city where the presence of God is all the time. God brings us back to Eden. Mm. And the spiritual battle is over. But right now, we're in the it's th- not over. We're, we're in the thick of it. So most of the questions you and I have about evil in the world and all that kind of stuff, it's really answered if you just stop and think biblically about it. If you if you move through a biblical theology on it, you go, holy cow. It's everywhere. The deeper dive is incredible. Yeah, you do see it everywhere. I mean, like, even after the few times that we've talked about it, and I'll be reading different scripture, and I'm like, right there. Like, I want to talk about it at school with the kids. And I don't, but I do say, like, there is probably more out there than you probably realize, or there is definitely more than you can see. And that's kind of what I leave it at, um, because I'm not even well-versed enough to be able to try and to navigate this, but uh, you do. You see it 
you see it everywhere. So yeah, we were reading through Romans 1 today about how God gave people over to all of their stuff. And yeah, you see them, yeah, giving them over to the people, the beings of the world, you know. This is the shortest version of this talk I've ever given, just now. So, but I will tell you that when you start to think about it and you start flipping through the scriptures, you go, holy cow. And then you go, whoa, 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 whoa. No, the Bible says that there's no other God but God. That is true because there's no other Yahweh but Yahweh. However, these spiritual beings have set themselves up as gods. Why? Because God gave them dominion because humans didn't want to follow him. Well, and do they, the spiritual beings have choice as well, right? Yeah, but they can't come back. Okay. We can. Christ didn't redeem them, he redeemed us. The Mm -hmm. Bible's very clear on that throughout the New Testament. And in fact, if you start to go, this isn't true, there's no way this is true, because Paul talks about how idols aren't real. Go to the passage that talks about that. What Paul says is you can eat meat for given to idols because idols aren't real, but there might be gods behind them. Like the idol isn't real, but the the image that you're trying to portray for that yeah. potentially is. It's a piece of stone. It's a piece of wood. It's not real. But what it's created to, to mimic, that thing is real. Whatever's going on back there is real. Yeah. So let's get practical. Let's get Practical, practical. How do we do that? How can we make that practical? (laughs) It's ridiculous. So, I mean, the thing that I always come back to with this is, are you going to just be a pawn? Like, because with Satan and his, well, Satan is, I guess, maybe more of a plural than just a singular, maybe? No? I don't know. The Satan is a title given to the mightiest to the of one. those okay. angels. So, but my thing is, yeah, like, which, I mean, you could, you could say, like, what side do you want to be on? But it's really, like, do you want to be played that way? Like, because that is what's happening. You either are choosing to fight against what the, the Satan or the beings that have decided to rebel. You're either deciding to go against that or you're deciding to let them distort and control you. Mm-hmm. And I guess there's other people that could say the other way. But that's towards bad things, so I don't know right. why that would, but why why that would flow. But why wouldn't you choose goodness I know, that's, beauty. That, yeah, yeah. Like but when, people would say, I want a choice. I want it, but you do. You do have a choice. So, yeah, like, I mean, yeah, I kind of, like, who do you want to win and what side do you want to be on? Like, that would be my, right. my, practical, my practical aspect is, and even, like, thinking in your own mind of, like, where is this true? Where have I, because really right now, it is that part of like, Satan has made us believe that they're not even here and that we're just evil people. Mm -hmm. There is some truth to that. Like we are born with, Mm -hmm. I think, evilness in us. Nobody teaches a child to be selfish. Like they just automatically are, you know? He did his job. So, um, but I think that, yeah, there are things that he obviously, that he obviously is doing. Because, yes, you sit there, when you have those thoughts, which we often do, of like, this is getting crazy, it's probably because we, yeah, like we let someone do it. We let somebody control it or whatever. So getting practical, there's a lot of ways in which we sort of take the beauty of God, we distort it, and we think that's better. This is why we struggle with pornography. This is why we struggle with violence. This is why we struggle with 
wanting to have our way. This is why we struggle with telling our spouse that we're in charge. This is why we, if you think about it, everything that's wrapped into that concept is power hungriness. It's chasing after the wrong things, right? It's, if you read Galatians 5, near the end of it, right before you get to the fruit of the Spirit, Paul lays Mm -hmm. out what are the fruit of the flesh. And all of the things in the fruit of the flesh, if you were to read that chapter, as a good Christian, at first glance, you're like, ooh, those things are disgusting. But sickly, in part of your heart, you go, ooh, those things kind of sound fun, right? It's exciting. Right, and there's yeah. a part of our heart that wants rebellion because it's just what we know. We don't, we don't know anything better than that. And then what Paul says after that is, but better than that is the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. You can't write a law against that yeah. stuff because if you do, you're an idiot. You know what I'm saying? Like imagine if Trump came out and goes, all right, no one can love each other anymore. We made a law against it. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard, right? There's also some stupid things we're hearing nowadays about what people want to do too, but... <laughs> but I'm just saying, if Satan wanted to win the battle, he would avoid some of these discussions and he would go undercover and he would make things seem completely plausible that aren't supposed to be plausible Like anymore. sort of sounds really good and like sort of the truth but like not quite the truth genesis you know? 3. i mean it is it's did he really like this sounds great and that's what i've noticed a lot with what the world and culture wants to throw at you it does sound great mm-hmm. it sounds plausible and fine and then when you actually think about it you're like oh i mean for example i remember having a conversation with this this lady a few years ago who um was really wrestling with homosexuality and she was like she was like, but this this person that's in my life, like we strive after Jesus, she makes me a better person, all of these things, and it sounded so great. And I was like, but yeah, that why would God not want you to have those things? Like, that sounds great. Fast forward four or five years, she is with somebody different, living a homosexual lifestyle, and I think not following Jesus at all anymore. So like, yeah, in the beginning, maybe that sounded great, but really that sounds great, and now you're so far from where you want it to be. That's the idea. And that's the thing, yeah. I'm just like, and now I'm looking back at that, and I'm like, wow, I should have probably said different things, but he, I did not. He wants us to destroy our lives. Mm-hmm. He wants us to not look like God wants us to look. He wants us to act like God doesn't want us to act. He wants to, and I, and it, it's devious and it's evil, but it's, it doesn't sound evil at first glance. And I think sometimes we think of even the thing in the garden, we go, look what he's doing. He's starting this massive rebellion. He hates God. Yeah, he hates God. But he doesn't sound evil to us. Do you see what I'm saying? So from a human perspective, we read and we go, oh, I could, I could get behind it. Yeah, I understand what Satan's trying mm-hmm. to accomplish there. Or I understand why, why wouldn't he let us eat the fruit? That's ridiculous. When the reality is what's happening there is we're not trusting the word of God to be the word of God. So that's what's practical about it. If he can get us to not believe, and I'm pointing at a Bible right now, that this book that we love isn't real, then he's won the battle. Mm-hmm. So to get really practical, we need to trust that this is real and that we're going to go through with it. Yeah, and I, I think taking taking what you know, because I there was something we talked about today at school that was that they didn't retain the information that they knew. And that, I mean, that's that's really what it is. Like, you have this information and you need to actually, like, take it in. Otherwise, it's just going to be a bunch of heady knowledge and everything's going to sound great. Yep. So. So now it's time for the any, 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 Enneagram 
and we don't have one this time because Erica chickened out and didn't. <laughs> want, she didn't want to do Satan. She didn't want to do Satan's I don't Enneagram. Know. That's it's well, impossible. So it's honestly, impossible, but also I don't want to be like. So he has attributes that look like this number because then everybody would be like, <laughs> "Wait, I'm a five. I'm, not, I'm not Satan." <laughs> I mean, if we're gonna be honest, because well, okay. Side note with the Enneagram, I was listening to somebody talk about it um, this last week, and he kind of said that. When you're when you're looking at it, you need to you basically choose your number and not your when your number chooses you whatever based on your vice and not your virtue. So it's like your bad the bad things basically about you. Um, but also it is solely meant to to understand that vice better so that it can be different and like it's really meant for spiritual like formation and whatnot. So um, I mean if we're gonna be honest, he's in all of them because all we all have vices that are not what we're supposed to be doing. And that is how you find like your actual number. So he really then could have all of them. Pride, envy, sloth. He's like all, he could the, have all, he's all the numbers in the wrong way. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's, yeah, yeah, that's true. Whereas Jesus is probably all the numbers in the right way. Yeah, I mean. Or something crazy like that. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that could probably be. Because yes, there are healthy things for each one too. So we're gonna end each podcast time. You know, we call this our Yamcast, which stands for Young Adult Ministry. So we're gonna end it with a yam, a yam spot. So not food. I'm sorry. It's not food, but it's an idea that you, we wanted to show you what it looks like to do young adult ministry. And it speaks not only to those who are leading young adult ministries, but it also speaks to those who are in young adult ministries to kind of explain why we do some of the things we do and why we sometimes stink so bad at it because we. We don't always think about you. Sometimes we think about ourselves and what we would like, and we don't necessarily do things that way. And I think the big yam spot for me this time is this. We love you. And as a college or young adult student, uh, I, I know that life is tough, and I know that sometimes you feel like the church doesn't love you and doesn't care for you. And I know sometimes you have jumped to conclusions. You look at what we think or what we do, and you think we haven't thought about it or you think we haven't spent time really processing the information. The amount of conversations I've had with 20-somethings and you know, early 30-somethings over the last few years where they said, well, yeah, you guys all just believe it because the Bible says it, that really denies what we're trying to do with our ministry. We want you to have a space where you can think and you can bring up the craziest possible thing because it's probably not that crazy and we've probably already thought it through. Mm -hmm. The difference is we did come to a conclusion and we sort of solidified our faith, but we want to create a space where that moment's able to happen, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, the idea of young adult ministry is we know that you're struggling. We know life isn't easy. We want to create a space for you not to question everything and not to jump off the diving board or do, you know, do the, you know, jump out at the deep end and do your own thing. You can do that. You have full freedom to do whatever you want to do. We love you enough to say, Let's stop and consider what Scripture says. And it's not that we're even taking it at face value, but we want you to know it well enough to know that you're making your choice based on that as opposed to your opinion of something. Yeah, fully knowing something rather than this is just what I've been told or what I think because of what I see. And where this yeah. is so stinking dangerous right now is we are in probably the most biblically illiterate time perhaps in history, yet we have more at our access than we've ever had before. So you've got version. you've got the Bible Project's website, you've got all these amazing podcasts, you've got, 
Heck, you've got the Bible. The vast majority of human history, no one had written words. Mm -hmm. And if they did, they couldn't read them. So you not only can read, you have access to God's word, but we are so lazy that we're not spending any time in it. And so instead of really struggling through what scripture says and going, this is what it means for my life, we just deny that altogether and we run away from the truth because we think they haven't thought it through. And, and I, don't know what the, that, I don't know what that concept is, I don't know what the yam spot is there, but I just want you to know we love you enough we want you to wander into that with us. And we want you to think these things out. We want you to ask good questions. We want to spend time with you just letting you think, I'm not maybe as crazy as I thought I was. Is that fair? Yeah, I think that's completely fair. I think that's what I always wanted when I was in this time period of life. Like I always wanted somebody to, and I usually sought somebody out to be that person to help me navigate through life. Um, and I usually did choose that somebody that was a believer. And that was because I knew, and maybe that was just the spirit in me, but just knew that that's what was good. Um, even the times when I've been, I don't even know what the word would be, but where I'm like, for a very extended period of time, not wanting to do much of anything at all, I still know what brings life. And I, I think that is the spirit that's just like, this is what brings life, so continue to be faithful. So I think that's why I always chose um, somebody that was a believer to help me navigate that. But but I also know that if I lean on my own understanding, I'm going to fall because I've done it. So I don't want to do that anymore. So I will choose to find the space and find the community that, yeah, is something greater than myself, so. All right, thanks for listening to this week. We know that it's a lot. We will be spelling this out, you know, over the next few months as we work through judges. Peace. Cool. Hey, thanks so much for listening to the Yamcast. Yes, thank you. We'd like to give a special shout out to our friend Brian who made the music and we also are looking forward to meeting you, whether that's through the website, like we said, parkhillschurch.com or the Park Hills Church app. You can find it on all the app stores. And then also we will have an Instagram called the Yamcast Instagram. So if you have any questions or anything, yeah, just don't hesitate to, uh, to reach out. Or if you have any things that you would like us to, to talk more about, let us know.